This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Writing Project. OWP supports teachers from all over Ohio and celebrates the professionalism, expertise, and talent of our state's educators. Ohio Writing Project, teachers teaching teachers. Welcome back to Right Answers, Episode 8. As you may have noticed, we're putting out these podcast episodes a little bit more frequently to support teachers during this weird transitional time in educational history. Last time, we dug into some initial reactions. We brainstormed resources. We developed the create versus complete mindset, thanks to Lindsay Brueggemann for the new mantra. And in this conversation, with about 15 teachers, we built on these ideas that we discussed last time. But this time we focused really on what's essential, we focused on what students need, and we dug into some strategies for how we might tackle some of these new challenges that online learning is going to be presenting, especially when it comes to planning, especially when we don't have all the materials that we need. But first, a poem. Today I'm going to share an excerpt from a poem called Four Hinterland Abstractions by Ray Youngbear. I posted a link to the entire poem in this episode's description. So what I'm about to share with you is the final section of this poem. Four. On a hot, windy afternoon in downtown White Cheer, he walked across the street from where the dime store used to be. Pointing to a remnant column, he said, Keme kwe nata ayo abe i yo ete ki. Do you recall what used to be here? Having just arrived from overseas and wearing boots covered with ochre grains of distant battlefields, he reached down and crushed several into small clouds that sped over the sidewalk as I nodded yes. Teachers, in this moment, we are flooded flooded with resources and ideas, and some are great, some are not so great, but out of all of these, it can be so easy to lose track of what's essential. After listening to this conversation, at least for me, the answer became more clear. Lexi, do you you want to share? Um, yeah, so I talked a little bit about um, that I only have about nine students um, that we're communicating with, and I didn't never got to say goodbye. There is, you know, the, oh, we might be here tomorrow, we might not, we didn't really get to say goodbye. So I set up a Padlet for like, it's a question board. So I've been able to like answer questions really easily with my students. Um, Some of them have said, like, I had trouble with this question on this worksheet, and I'm able to help them with it, and then other kids could view it, too. Um, And then from that, I actually set up a Zoom conference, which is why my name shows up as Miss Withrow and not Lexi. Um, But I was able to conference with my kids on Friday, which I teach fifth grade, so there was a lot of technical difficulties of getting on, but it was really fun to see everybody, well, about there's about 10 of us on um but it was just really cool to be able to see them again and have conversations and it wasn't necessarily academic it was how are you doing what's going on in your life right now so that was really good for us 
Um, I was just thinking a little bit about the conversation um, between Beth and Megan about essential personnel um, when we started or kind of before we started our conversation. And then the question, where's the good? What's the magic that's happening? And I feel like there has been this emphasis on essential learning that really should probably always be guiding our conversations. But um, there's just been this really great, I feel like, push for student voice, like using I, your primary source, use those notebooks, like read what interests you, relationships. So a big positive that I see is I feel like the essential learning conversations that I'm a part of and I'm seeing on Twitter and I'm seeing and I feel like those have just been really awesome. And I hope that we hold on to that once we are back into kind of a more normal setting. Um, I just want to sort of share a noticing that I made a connection to something I re recently read. Um, I noticed a lot of your questions are about like connection, like how do we connect with parents? How do we connect with students? How do we help them if they're struggling? What if they don't know what to do? And I think that that shows how much we care about our students um, and how much we want them to do well and for this work to still be meaningful for them. And I think it goes back to Lindsay's brilliant comment about essential learning. Um, like letting them read and write in ways that are, you know, important and meaningful to them. And then, you know, I read a blog post that was by a teacher who was teaching during Hurricane Katrina. And she said, like, I know you all are feeling so worried right now about what this means for their growth and, you know, continuing to close gaps and helping them to continue to learn. But that all of those children have become lawyers and doctors and teachers and firefighters and like, they're okay. And so all of this, it will be okay. And I think if we just continue to know that like connection is at the heart of it and that essential learning of honoring who our students are and where they are right now, we're going to be fine and it will be okay. And all of the questions are super important. We should answer them, at least endeavor to, but also knowing the heart of the matter is that they'll be okay because they have all of you and look at how enormously um, caring and concerned all of you are. Does anybody have an answer to Lindsay's quotes out there, like about these read alouds for like graphic novels and that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, I am using Screencastify to do my uh, read alouds. And uh, I tape them the night before and then post them the next day. Uh, but Screencastify really slowed down this week. And um, some students had to wait 12 hours. And the comment section on my Google Classroom was almost getting um, just brutal. They were like, come on, Mr. Tar, get it loaded. Uh, so luckily, I found some ways to lower uh, how much space it's taking so that they're now loading faster. But that's been the most successful thing for me has been the read aloud. And so at this point, I just can't decide if reading that aloud, I have a copy, they don't have a copy. The images are what make that such a cool. So I'm like, should I just kind of say, okay, that maybe needs to be tabled, read something else aloud, and then what can I find in the real world that would be? Um, like maybe even with the news right now, more of the image paired with words. I just, I think the answer is to kind of let go, just the graphic novel piece being read aloud. I feel like, is that gonna lose its magic if you read that aloud? Lindsay, do you have access to a document camera by chance? 
Okay, because I brought mine home like a just in case type of thing. Um, but I will say one of the things that we ran into in my district last week, uploading things uh, directly to classroom, they were taking forever to whatever their word is like to go into their system. So we found that if we upload things straight to YouTube and then link it to classroom, things were loading for my kids better. Um, so I have stupid videos of myself doing morning greetings on YouTube every day. Um, but that's the issues that we found the solutions to this week. Um, I, I videotape myself teaching my math lessons and I've done this all year. Um, you can use like, I use a phone or an iPad um, and you can just like balance them on books and then I upload them to my drive. And if you, you can change the setting, the share setting in your folder in your drive to anybody with the link. And then I post the links to Google Classroom or I have a math website that I created. So that's how I do it. Google Drive takes a little bit, maybe like 20 minutes for your video to be processed and then you're good to go. And those were the issues that we were running into and it felt like YouTube was almost like instantaneous. Once it was uploaded, they could view it. That 20 minute delay time was driving some of my kids crazy because I would just post it right away without knowing, so. We just got a message that Screencastify, that was a Google problem and it's been fixed. So as of Friday, um, because we're a, a Screencastify Pro school. So hopefully those loading issues will go away. Yeah. They did some updates on that too, Katie. I think that just came out. I was gonna say as a um, instructional coach this year, um, my role's been a little different and was helping the teachers and to kind of go on to what you were saying before, one of the hardest things I think is because we've created these awesome lessons and learning experiences for our kids that we were gonna do face-to-face -face and we know that they were like gonna be amazing and what they needed and having to let go of that and kind of rethink how we were gonna design things. Um, I think I've spent, Two million hours this week on the phone with teachers trying to talk them through that and thinking about you know and, and starting to nudge them gently and say you know that was a great lesson but i don't know if that's going to work online the way you want it to work um that's been really tricky for kids for teachers too to kind of see that um because it it's different and and kind of and until we're diving into that work and really feeling it we don't want it to crash or burn while we're online with them because we only get to see them for so many minutes of the day now being online. So that's been a big challenge for me um, in watching teachers uh, and, listen, and talking with them and helping them kind of uh, plan through that. Yeah, I love this challenge actually, Lindsay, that you brought up be, for the rest of us because it's a question that says, should I do that still, right? That, that is that still the right next step? Leading into this part of the conversation, a teacher on the call brought up a really interesting point. What if our students become overwhelmed with all the work that they have in front of them, especially in this strange working from home environment? So we got into the minds of students a little bit. We thought about what kinds of things they need and what kinds of things will be worthwhile to them as we embark on this new teaching adventure. That was one of the biggest things to like mention to the teachers, like their minds aren't ready to learn right now. They're confused. They, and even if they don't know exactly what's going on because they're little, they know that things are different at home and they're getting used to these new routines. Mom and dad, whoever are trying to figure out how to handle working from home and teaching from home and what it's like to be a teacher. So I feel like just giving them the space right now to let the kids see each other and talk and, and respond is so important. And then Megan, to go off of your thing too, not only <laughs> they told us to cut the amount of time in half, but would it, we would expect a kid to take 
20 minutes to do in a classroom will take them about 40 by themselves at home in an online platform. So that's huge as well. One of the most painful and helpful things I've ever done is force myself to do my assignments. Um, and there are two things that I get out of it. Um, one is um, I get to catch any little flaws that I hadn't thought of when I was designing the lesson as I do the work and I experience the pains that students have to go through. But also there have been many times where I'm doing the assignment and I realize, oh, this assignment is a bunch of, and insert expletive here. Um, and if I can't stand to do my own assignment, if I think that my own assignment is a waste of time, if it brings back those feelings I used to feel when I was in school, I realize that I need to make a change. Um, going back to what Lindsay said last week, um, that idea of create versus complete, if I feel like I'm just making students do busy work as I do my own assignments, or if I feel like it's not worthwhile, I try to make some kind of change in there. Um, but I do think that it's going to be one thing that could maybe help is do the assignments so that when students bring up um, a problem, you can say, well, you know, I experienced that too. And when I was doing the, the assignment and here's how I was able to work through it. Um, that's also another really helpful aspect that I found in doing my, my own assignments is I'm able to have a better way of showing students what they could do next. I was also, that whole idea too of asking students, um, Megan and Stacy on the call right now are like so good at personalizing their classrooms for their students. And it, it makes me wonder like, how do we do this in, a, in this kind of learning? How can they own some of it? And I think that would help with the 20 minutes too, right? Like how do they, Kate said she gave a feedback form and 100% using that to plan the next week. But like, what if documenting, reading and writing something, but we ask them, what do we think their best way to like, writing this week or the best way to use reading show what they've read this week i don't know like i wonder if they can own some of it or even own some of the writing prompts right the way we do in the four week i was i was curious like we've been workshopping a lot of different ways to structure a week um mm -hmm. concerning like you know having a 50-minute independent reading check-in a 50-minute like something like a vomit writing or quick writing uh, you know, uh, mentor texts and modeling texts and all that. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious how people are structuring their week to do kind of like not the same amount of schoolwork they'd be doing in a normal day or normal uh, unit, but splitting that in half and how you, when you get feedback throughout that week. And then, I don't know, it seems like there's a lot of ideas out there and there's very little time to get it right. That's what I would love to hear people's ideas of, of how they structured their weeks. I was overwhelmed with when do I post and how do I post it and my kids chose on that last Friday they wanted things posted Monday due Friday at midnight I've got seniors and freshmen and the freshmen actually preferred that too um, I checked in with them a couple of times in the week but like I'm not in like I'm still back grading like third nine week stuff because we just ended our quarter on Friday so like my head and then taking classes and like for me I just can't post daily like I don't know I'm struggling with this and I don't even have kids of my own at home but once a week has been working for me. I pretty much sent three weeks worth of stuff at once. Um, we were told that we were going to go to school that last Friday um, and I knew that we weren't um, because of things going on in the district. So me and my partner teacher got everything together and sent home three like weeks worth of stuff. Um, and my kids are pretty much working on a novel study. They're gonna storyboard the main events from it. 
it's full of choice, there's questions, and then I'm just answering questions on Padlet as we go. Um, so they're working at their own pace. It's not really a week by week assignment. I'm a lot like Kate in that I'm, um, I'm posting, my plan is to put it all out on Monday and have it due on Thursday. And then Friday was like kind of open discussion in Schoology if they had questions or if something didn't go right or wrong, but I just kind of check it is kind of my plan. So um, I tested it uh, last week a few times to see how it was going because our quarter also ended last week and it seemed to work. Um, I just now decided like listening to everyone, it was helpful just to integrate a video occasionally so they can like see that I'm alive and get a little direction and connection. But that's, I'm kind of with you, Kate. That's how I'm doing it as well. Luke, how are you doing writing families? That seems interesting. Um, before we left, we're working on a research paper right now. And um, I had a sense that I wouldn't necessarily be able to meet with every kid. So um, before we left, I just had them choose four to five people um, that they could use as a, um, a peer editor and somebody to check in with on directions and so forth. I asked each of those families to choose a, a chief or a mom or dad. Um, and so that's um, on Monday, I'll be checking in with the moms and dads and just kind of giving them some, um, here's how we're going to do the week. And then um, they'll agree, hopefully on a time when at least a majority of them can Zoom with me and we can talk through a couple things and look at Google Docs together. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. That's one of the things I was worried about is like, what do you do with groups um, in this kind of era? And that sounds really interesting. I like that idea. Yeah, if, if anything amazing happens, I will definitely share it. I, I'm, okay. I'm trying it, so. Cool. I actually did something similar this last week in the sense that I, I posted all of my rosters for my AP classes. And I said, go find someone to peer at, edit with. I don't care what section they're in. Just go do it. Give me proof that you did it. Here are three ways you can give me proof. They could do screenshots. They could share the document and show me their comments. They could do screencasting or Zoom meetings. Um, most of them are choosing to do screenshots of their, their comments with one another. I love the idea of I mean, just noted what that yeah, that bells don't matter. Like maybe some of our other boundaries don't matter as much anymore that we used to put on ourselves. And I do wonder the boundaries, the time boundary. Adrian, I'm still processing that. What does 20 minutes look like when I actually look at my own kids? And it's so different. And so I think it goes, it it does go back to that question, like what exactly are we having them, what do we want them to do? like with this work and not just like, what do we want them to get through, but what do we want them to do? And then it could look all kinds of ways because it seems it's doable, right? I mean, they're on their own. They're used to having a teacher, every bell help them, even if they have lots of motivation and choice and independence and still having the teacher have a scaffold in there somehow helps them get through some of the parts, right? So I think they can see a vision and then whether it's meet with your group and show me how, like those are those are scaffolds, right? They're just helping them get to the next step. They need pieces. This last part of our conversation was not originally meant to be on the podcast. At this point, most people had actually dropped off the call and we were just shooting the breeze with each other, just talking about the things that we'd forgotten at school 
the things that were bumming us out, the things that were going to be hard to grade. And then this interesting necessity is the mother of invention moment came up and Beth said something really interesting. So we decided to keep it. We decided to add it into the podcast and uh, I look forward to you getting to hear this final section of our discussion. <laughs> like the writing I'm having them do this week with their sonnets, like that, my sonnet that I created and I can show the whole, you know, process is sitting in that notebook and it's, oh, I left it at school. So. It just means that you're going to have such amazing empathy for the students who did the same thing. You're right. <laughs> Such you're amazing right. empathy. Yeah. So, and it's just, I think that's the thing that like threw me over the edge. It was like, why, what's the point? <laughs> you know, like I want to keep teaching them, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't want to grade any more papers this way without mm-hmm. being next to them and, and sitting with them and helping them grow. And it's, that's what's really killing me right now. It's like mm-hmm. where you feel like you're giving feedback to the ether. I have no yeah. idea if they're going to look at this. So, and ugh. I think that's why I'm still all for, totally all for making the rest of this quarter a document, this moment in the world, (laughs) in whatever way makes the most, I mean, that's what I think should happen, right? Like, I think I have taught you reading and writing, its purpose in the world is to document thought and to write it down and to capture it, like, go do it. (laughs) And every Mm -hmm. week, give you a way in and every week give me an example of how somebody's done that in the world um and then Mm -hmm. give it a try and then show me your best option at the end i don't know for high schoolers and kate like think about how the trying to make the equivalent of school is becoming such a grind on our souls yeah even more so for students it's they're gonna Mm -hmm. feel depression harder than we will probably Mm -hmm. Um, they just won't be able to process it in the way adults usually can. So I think what Beth, what you're saying is maybe even more important, writing in a way that builds mental health instead of a, in a way that takes away from mental health mm-hmm. um, is going to be crucial because it's, it's more than just learning the basics of school right now. It's mm-hmm. bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I end the year like with my juniors, I end with, um, getting them prepped to get that college essay going. That's how I, in fourth quarter. And um, I've decided typically the writing is about, um, you know, what will you bring to a campus? And I changed it all up about resilience. How have you learned resilience through this year and what's going on? And hopefully they can kind of vent their thoughts and kind of come up with how they've learned to be resilient. So hopefully. So that's what I'm going to do. 